Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. Thank you for joining me today. This podcast is for you. This episode is for you. If you have a coworking space and you've had moments where you've thought, you know what? Next time I want to own the building. I want to be in control of the property that my coworking space is in. Or if you're thinking about starting a space and you're thinking about how to go about investing in this business, how to sign a lease, how to raise capital, owning the building, buying the building might be the right step for you. So my guest today is Jerry Alexander. Jerry is a commercial property investor, developer, and flex space operator. And he has been doing this since 2004. So he knows what's going on. He has seven locations and owns all of the buildings that he operates out of and has a team that runs his operating business. He's both a commercial property investor and operates his co-working business. He's also a podcast host, and he's passionate about mentoring folks who are thinking about investing in commercial property. So his podcast is called Commercially, Commercial Property Investor, and his co-working brand is called Liberty Space, and he is in, on the East Coast of Scotland. And we go through this in our intro. So before we dive in with Jerry... If you're working on opening a co-working space, then I want you to listen to this episode. I also want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, Three Behind-the-Scenes Secrets to Opening a Co-working Space. If you are working on starting a space, I want to share three decisions that I see successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. This masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour, which includes some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at www.everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. And if you already have a space, I am would love to invite you to enroll your community manager in Community Manager University. It is a training and development platform for community managers to get them started from being brand new. We call them newly minted to get them to being pros and developing throughout their role into a general manager role. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role, including community management, operations, marketing, finance, leadership. The core content is laid out in a graduated learning path so that your community manager can identify what content is relevant to them and their experiences and kind of dive in. We also have resources, templates. We host Q&A calls every month. We have a Slack group and we host live training every single month as well. So the platform is really designed to help your community manager develop their own network of peers to solve problems faster, get things up and running faster, and also to access the training and resources and templates they need to manage the space. We cover things from using Facebook ads to getting started with your virtual mail program to, let me think of, oh, SEO. I mean, you name it, we cover it. Planning community events, how to be strategic about planning events that work for your particular membership. So it's really designed to help your community manager be more successful and get the resources 
they need to act faster because we know that role is really challenging. And there's a lot that goes into being successful in that role. And we are here to help. So you can check out all the details and enroll in Community Manager University at www.everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. Okay. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jerry Alexander. Welcome to our episode today. I have a special guest with me, Jerry Alexander, who is a commercial property investor, developer, and flex space operator. He is also a podcast host and mentor for folks that are trying to get into commercial property investing. And his brand is called Liberty Space. He's on the east coast of Scotland. Jerry, I don't have many other podcast hosts, maybe one other that I've interviewed that I can think of. Um, And I've never interviewed anyone from Scotland. And I'm so excited for our conversation today. So thank you for joining me. Brilliant. I'm really looking looking forward to it. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah. So Jerry, I think you reached out to me and then I said, well, let's do a swap. So yeah. Jerry's podcast is called the commercial property. Wait, hold on. I've got it. Nope. Tell me what it is. I have it. Commercial commercial property investor. You got me going now. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, great. Yeah. And we can find it on all the usual places. All the usual platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I listened to a couple of episodes. I have it linked up in the show notes already. So Jerry and LinkedIn, the podcast. I love to get, so your podcast is not co-working or flex focused, but it's part of your background and it's part of your commercial property yeah. investor. So it's kind of woven in. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I've been listening to your podcast too, and yours is so much more focused, of course, on co-work and it's a piece of what we do, but we don't do it um, anywhere near to the depth that you have. It's yeah. something that we add on to our kind of our, our general offer. Um, so being able to do a podcast interview with you for our mini series about co-working is fantastic. I'm looking forward to recording that later on and just have a chance to have a conversation here about what we're doing in, in co-working is um, good. I love these conversations because they make you try and articulate what you're doing. You have to think about it, don't you, right? <laughs> totally. So I have to tell you, I've been to Edinburgh one once. It was... Right before, I think it was in between my two years of business school, and I ended up going by myself on a bus tour. But it was beautiful. We spent a couple of days in Edinburgh and all over Scotland, and I can't remember every place we went, but it was absolutely stunning. I would love to go back at some point and take yeah. the family. I don't think my husband's been. My daughter certainly has not. So, yeah, it's a beautiful place. It does rain. But that means everything's green and vibrant. And yeah, yeah, it's a lovely space. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's talk about Flex first. Yeah. You have seven locations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you and your Flex story, and then we'll talk about real estate and everything else that you do. Okay. Brilliant. So I, I, like a lot of um, people who look to get into property in general, I started investing in residential family homes, really. And after a few years of doing that, I, I started looking around thinking, how do I find kind of a bigger deal? How mm. do I find something that's got a bit more going on under one roof instead of buying lots of roofs? Over here, we didn't, we don't really have multifamily. We tend okay. to just have single units, although it is coming. Um, and I ended up buying a multi-let commercial building. I didn't know that was going to be the deal, but that's what it ended up being, right? And at the time, it was being running by, run by somebody who had another business. And it was really just a case of 
Um, somebody agreed, uh, it was a license of sorts. <laughs> they agreed to contract, had the keys, and we'll see you later. So there wasn't really much service. There was just a space and a key right. and heating and stuff. And then over the years, we redeveloped that building. And it was just a kind of on the side thing that I was doing. And then when I had it revalued after we did all this improvements, wow, I realized how much we'd affected the value of the property. And that's when I realized I need to do this full time. So after that, we started investing in more commercial, doing the same thing, redeveloping them, and of course, became an operator. Not not because we set out to become an operator. I was going to say, just of did. course, became an operator, but really not, of course. Yeah. yeah. T- how did that happen? What was... Well, I guess that first property, we we, um, we got it. There was about 20 customers in it. You kind of roll your sleeves up. We, we moved our own business in there, and we started managing the building as part of our offer. What we were doing, we had some staff and they would they would help with the building, running the building. And then as we did it up, the, the I guess the, the quality of the space improved, but also the service requirement improved. And we just kind of offered that as part of what we were doing. And it was only when we bought the next building that I realized that actually, you know, at some point you need an exit or at least you can't run everything as as a side shoot of something else you're doing, you need to have these buildings running independently. So they need a certain scale. They need a certain quality or type of team to make them operate. And it was really then that I realized, I'm not even sure if I realized, I think I just did it anyway. We just put in the team to do that. But as I've grown in the business and realized, actually, there is definitely four different pieces here. There's the investor, there's the developer, the you know, the company actually does all the development. There's the operator, and then often there's the advisors, right? And and each one of those pieces take a part of the money equation from real estate. And we've decided to stay really in all four. We 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 invest in the properties, we develop them ourselves, we have an operating business, and as you, as you mentioned earlier on, I now advise others on sort of making that step change from resi into commercial. I, I think I probably. I do have a, a tendency to take things on when maybe I should be better at saying no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Jerry, the, I think the interesting thing maybe about your personality, and I'm curious, what year what year was this that you kind of got into, or even accidentally into the operating business? Um, well, 2004 is when we bought our first commercial, so 16 years ago. Yeah, so co-working, I mean, executive suites were for sure a thing. Yeah. But the sort of short-term, smaller space was still n- new at the time. And I was thinking about this because we talk a lot in, in the States, at least, about management agreements. Yeah. And operators are so interested in management agreements. And you might tell them, just buy the building, right? But but the, the challenge is, like, landlords are typically right, especially if they're sort of professional investors and real estate is what they do. Like, their mindset is not to have an operating business, typically. No. Right. Because their mindset is, well, I don't want to operate a thing. That's why I'm doing real estate. Right. I don't want this like day to day thing. I want to look at deals and I want to do deals and it's a longer term thing. And I want maybe I have property managers that manage the building, but I don't want to like operate the business. And so it's, you know, it takes, and of course, in a management agreement, you hire an operator to do it. But, you know, it takes a a special landlord to even want to consider sort of that. You yeah, know, that extra that's, work. That's, and, that's, and yet you were like, we're, we'll do it all. We're- <laughs> I think that's a really valid point. I think probably it was just because of the evolution of what we were doing. So if we were just 
if you think about it, we're just buying single family homes, doing them up, refurbishing them, putting in a tenant and trying to refinance. It was a pretty basic model. And I just kind of applied that to commercial, really. I just thought, well, we'll do it up. We'll increase the rent. We'll refinance. And then we'll get the next one. But the operating side gave us an opportunity to add, um, I guess, quite a bit more income. Um, but also by owning the property, you have so much more leverage in what you deliver. So, for instance, that first building, we still have it, but it is quite different from what it was when we started. And if we had it as a lease, man, the dilapidations and everything now would be horrendous. But because we own the building, we've been able to tweak, increase the income, which improves the valuation of everything else. We've been able to create a product without having to bring a landlord with us or to have that, that disagreement about pricing and who's investing and everything else. But ultimately, if you want to grow really big scale, then, yeah, you're right. You need the two separate. And it may be that you are in charge of one and not the other. But, but I still believe myself, my main business is not necessarily operating licenses and shipping containers and offices and warehouses and all that sort of stuff. What it actually is, is finding buildings that people don't quite know what to do with, secondhand buildings, redeveloping them into the fit for what current demand is, and therefore totally increasing the value of the property. So originally, I looked at commercial property and thought, well, it's a passive investment. You buy it for an income Mm-hmm. Yeah, you park your money and I'll make my yeah. money somewhere else and then I'll buy a commercial building, park it, have my interest rate, my yield. But actually, when you work out, when I learned about our model, about the flex space, it allowed me to re- to recognize that when you take on that building initially, you can get some bums on seats and get some income whilst you then respond to what the market's really looking for develop it out, and then you've really increased the value. So my main business is actually redevelopment and then leveraging that. But the operations piece is totally integral to making that actually work. Yeah. So in your typical commercial building, is your flex space sort of one of the tenants or is it typically the entire building? Oh, so our... um, So we don't... um, In terms of co-work, we have... A mix in our different buildings. Some buildings we have just offices. Some uh, one building we've got is just industrial. Um, some we have a mix uh, in our most recent, almost complete <laughs> building. We have we developed a court which was um, divided into different types of memberships. So there was some hot desking, there were some fixed desks, and some cluster areas. But in the end, we actually let that whole space to another company and. Based on what our inquiries were, we actually pushed that apart because it was the offer was quite wide and there wasn't much traction in the middle. There was people wanting fixed desk and there was people wanting low value, short kind of short term memberships. So what we actually did was we developed a co-work on the upper floor, which had fixed desk and very small units that were all quite exclusive. The only way you could use that space was having a desk or a space. You couldn't have a hot desking. And then we developed a business lounge in another part of the building, which is doing really well with members, but all those memberships are, you can only get in between nine to five o'clock. 
Um, it's a part-time or possibly a full-time, but that space might be used for other things. It's much more flexible, and it's one of our kind of bigger breakout spaces, adding value to everybody else. And when we first started, I thought, well, we'll just develop this co-work. It'll just be in the middle, and we'll build all the offices around it. Um, that's not actually what our customers wanted. So we've managed to flex, and it's been quite interesting, that journey. And we're definitely doing that on our next building that we're developing just now, putting in a business lounge and a separate kind of area for for what I would call co-working. Okay, interesting. Are they just two separate sort of segments of users? No. Um, oh, of users? Um, yeah. I guess so. Um, but you know what it's like. that you, you have people from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of businesses. We haven't really had to niche into any particular area. Um, I'm just curious, what is the difference between the business lounge and the and the co-working? So the, the co-work is 24-hour access. The price point's higher. There's only a fixed number of people, and, a, and they all have an individual space. Okay. There's no hot desking in there. Got at it. All. Okay. So anybody who wants... Anybody who's in there feels a little bit more superior to everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, and they're on the top floor. They're on the yeah. top floor, right? I had this space that was six stories up, Jamie, no lift. So I'm like, how do I make this space work? And um, by besides adding a lift? Yeah, by besides <laughs> adding a lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um originally I was going to put a try and find our company to put in it, but in the end, we developed it out as this. Co-work with fixed desks and around the perimeter, lots of small, almost like cubicles, okay. just small rooms, private yep. booths. And it's the value it's bringing in. There's only one other floor that does better than that now. The business lounge is right down on the ground floor. And it's kind of part of the entrance. And we're yep. adding food and Bev. I was Got I was it. really interested in a podcast you, you put out recently. Um, the success the spaces. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's like right, this is interesting. Yep, yep, and and we've also got a restaurant in one of our buildings that um, that we run ourselves. And oh gosh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> yeah, I can't say no. I did say that, right? So, and but it's really interesting. And then how because hospitality is really what we do, isn't it? In in the flex space, so the restaurants taught me a lot, and it's also helped me bring some of that culture or trying to bring some of that culture into what we deliver on our on our workspace. But having food and Bev and that model you were discussing, I thought was really quite interesting. I, th I think there's some parts of it that I've learned don't work for sure, but there are some bits there I think that are, that are going to provide a lot of stickiness for customers to hang around. Yes. I'm curious, um, and you may do meters. We might have to convert here. How So if I walk food. into one of your buildings, is this flex space the only tenant or do you have other tenants in the space like is it all yours and operated by you uh, yeah it's all yeah it's all ours so for okay. instance um the the building i'm talking about the six-story building it's only 13 14 000 square foot in total got it so each, each floor is so about two and a half building and you can make yeah. it all flex and kind of right but to your point you you own the asset so you have this long-term view on shifting things right yeah. and if you need to put up some walls or it's not like, oh, well, it's a five-year lease and I don't want to spend more money on this. Yeah. It out, right? You're, yeah, it's absolutely. a longer term view. And to your point, you see the equity on the other side. I think it's, it's I'll have to start listening to your podcast. There's not a lot. Are, do you know of Bigger Pockets, the podcast Bigger Pockets? 
No, I haven't. No. no. So it's a really popular podcast. It's probably U.S. focused. They talk a lot about re- um, uh, residential investing. And I'm always poking around like occasionally they'll have something on there that's commercially focused. But to your point, they talk about single family, uh, multifamily, commercial. They'll talk about like storage. I think that's sort of. Yeah. You know, but they don't get into actual like sort of commercial or office at all. Yeah. Uh, but it's a great podcast for understanding what you described about the value you can put in a building by making improvements and how you know you have access to that equity. So it, it's good for sort of the math and the like the real estate model side, which yeah, so most co-working space operators don't know much about. Well, it's rent, so. it, most of them is rent to rent, isn't it? That's the model, yeah. Yes. And, and the industry yeah. is so huge and wide and people talk about commercial as though it's a single entity. It's not, there's so much yeah, diversity, so much. isn't yeah. it? But the light bulb moment for me, Jamie, right, was I, I bought the first building. I bought it at 10% yield or ROI at the time. And then we increased the income and all that sort of stuff. And when I had it revalued, we had tripled the net income, which is great. What I hadn't realized until I had the callback from the valuer was we tripled the value of the building. That was a real light bulb moment. It's like, okay, I've been doing all this office stuff and letting out and enjoying the cash flow and redeveloping everything else, but look what we did. So then I realized, okay, we need to try and do this multiple times. <laughs> well, but, but the value of that is you can refinance, right? And then yeah. pull money out to go do the next one. Exactly. So the I, next I think one that, that's been talking about light bulbs, just listening to the bigger oh, yeah. so the, podcast. So next, yeah, Jamie, understanding then, like how that whole system works. Because if you're not in it, you don't kind of know yeah. that that's the framework. So, so yeah. the next building um, that we bought was um, nearly three times the size, did have some income, but the bank paid, the bank lent us all the money for it because of the value and the equity we had right. in the other one, right? Yeah. So in, in houses, most people think, oh, well, I have to re- remortgage this or whatever. Then I'll take that as a deposit on this yep. other one. Well, actually, in commercial, you don't have to do that. You just ha- add security okay. over that. Got it. Get the next one. So they paid for the whole building that they didn't pay for, but they lent for the whole building. And I had another 50000 or something to start the process of doing it up. And they've done that a few times, but because the 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 security they had on the on the other stuff that we built value in. So yeah, it's once you get the once you get the wheels turning and the momentum going, it really does become quite exciting. Yeah. Right. And if you need to raise capital to do the build out, which is the hardest part of getting into this business, right? Yeah. But if you're signing a lease, you don't own that, it's not yeah. yours. And yeah. I see one of the biggest mistakes I'll see folks make is they'll pro forma a space. With it, and they want a short lease, right? Because if you've never signed a lease, much less bought a building, you're, it's like high anxiety around yeah, signing a course, commercial yeah. lease. So they want a short lease, and you, it's hard to pay off the build out. You know, depending on the size and and how much work needs to get done and what the landlord covers, but you're coming out of pocket for some of that, and you're yeah, yeah. just sort of giving it to the landlord. But the landlord doesn't love it either, right? Because then the landlord's got to do it again for the next person who comes in. So you've, which is the other advantage to running your model and your building, right? You are not constantly paying for, I don't know if there's a broker system where you are here, you know, the broker yeah, commissions, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. brokers and, and fit out costs, right? So yeah. you're not 
in that constant cycle because you're running this operating business. And if, if you make a decision to make some changes, then for that's sure. your decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and tax over there will be slightly different than over here, but there's tax advantages too that to, to consider yeah. if you're developing it out and depending on where you are in your own cycle as to how much you capitalize and how much actually goes down is just repairs and maintenance and, and, and all that lovely stuff. So there's, there's lots of advantages there. But the other thing, to, of course, about if we're talking specifically about co-working, the big advantage for for us, and I, and I think the hybrid model is really the way to go, is that when you have those small incubies or um, startup businesses, and I appreciate that the mod, the audience is changing, but when they grow out of the co-work, where are they going to go if you don't have space? They're going to go to somebody else. Yeah. And the co-work provides um, a real vibrancy to the building, at that energy especially if you put it in the right place that people pass by and see it and it it, the whole building can feed off it whereas um if you're just doing a co i'm sure you know who am i telling here teaching you (laughs) suck eggs but but obviously you know with co-working when it first came out a lot of people just did co-working and then over here the serviced office or the executive centers were all kind of looking over there with a bit of disdain saying that'll never last right yeah and then, yeah, and then yeah. the upstarts looking over here at the service market saying you're all old, fuddy, and dead, mm-hmm. you know. And of course, actually, it's the middle ground, isn't it? It's between the middle. The two. I think you talked about that on one of your podcasts. I think I was like nodding my head, like, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's it's funny, right. Isn't it? and, and there's still some people that look from and throw stones from one side to the other, but actually, yeah. it's the one. It's the middle. Sweet it's spot in the middle. The middle. Yeah. Yep. Um. So. I'm curious if you were to kind of talk to an operator who was thinking about getting into flex or commercial real estate, like what are steps to take? Like, so start listening to your podcast, I presume, but yeah. How do you, how do you start in your, your sort of mentorship process with folks who are interested in commercial real estate? Cause I think some people to your point, like don't know it's possible or how to, you know, raise capital. Do you have to have, you know, sizable capital to get your first place or you know what are the options yeah so that that other than legal there are no rules right <laughs> so you know well there isn't is there i mean you can you can structure deals in any way you like residential is a bit more tricky but in commercial you could i mean i have previously done rent to rent on in on units in a building that we're hoping to buy so you could do rent to rent, and then eventually, when you buy, you just subsume them. You know, there, there's lots of different ways of doing doing these different deals. You don't need all of your own money. You do need to be able to convince somebody to give some money, of course. Right, you have to be yeah. a good salesperson right. yeah. at least. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's going to throw it at you. Um, but I think the most important thing is you have to sit down, like all businesses, you have to work out what you want out of it, and that will help give you a framework for what is a distraction and what actually would be a really good thing to do. So for instance, your, your investment criteria might say, well, actually I want really, I want to actively grow the value of my portfolio or the other person might say, well, actually I don't want to be involved at all. I just want passive income. And so those will set you off in different paths. And then the other one might be, well, actually I just want some cash flow to replace my day job income. So then you start making decisions based on that. And I think those are the fundamentals first. Then you got to start, yeah, you got to study and, and learn and listen to podcasts and all that sort of stuff. But you've really got to focus in on an area and get under the skin. So for me, 
I tend to look for buildings first. A lot of people go out in the commercial market with a model, a cookie cutter, and they look for a building that's going to suit them. The problem with that is you have to cover a really big area to find multiple sites. And when you go to a new area, what do you know about it? Probably not a lot. Whereas if you're going building first, what you're doing is you can reduce the area you're looking at to a smaller geographical spread, really look and focus on problem buildings. This is my model. Problem buildings or buildings that have perhaps some potential partial income, part income, because that means that the non-income producing part is probably going to be heavily discounted, and that's your opportunity to add value. So without knowing that local market well and studying what all the competitors are doing, it's really difficult to actually know what's a good deal and what isn't. So first of all, work out what you want, trying to um, not be completely controlled by your conditioning of what you think is possible. Try, trying to take the hat off and actually think, dream a bit bigger. And then secondly, really study a particular market. It doesn't have to be the one where you are. Ideally, it would be, but just concentrate on a geographical area and learn as much as you can. That, those would be the two things I would say. Wait, I would add three based on what you just described, which is be willing to solve some problems. Yeah. Because that's where the value is created, right? If you're willing yeah. to go in and say, well, that looks kind of messy, <laughs> but it's, you know, to your point, that's when you're getting the discount, right? And yeah. you can, yeah. So is is your investing all office or is it other types of commercial? So I've, we've, we're, we're out of residential altogether now. Um, that's not to say we wouldn't do anymore. Um, we just haven't. We, we've got planning permission for residential, but commercial always seems to make more money especially cash flow. Um, So we have some industrial, we have self-storage. The main majority though is, is, sorry, office space, generally on a license, but we do have a few leased spaces that are maybe five, five year leases, that sort of thing. Um, I, I really want to continue increasing the size that we buy so we can do more mixed developments. So we can have restaurant space, gym space, all, all this, everything in there. Um, all that lovely stickiness. Create your own right ecosystem, yeah. which is really compelling to all the users. Yeah. Yeah. And they just want to stay. I mean, at the moment, we're trying to work out a system where, for instance, our tenants where we have the restaurant, can those that are actually in our building can come into the restaurant and just add things to their tab. So rather than having to pay get the get the receipt claim it yeah. back why not just give them an invoice at the end of the month with all their coffees and entertaining and everything else like a club right yeah you go yeah. in exactly kind of yeah it up and yeah one That's big part number. of their membership yeah i remember coming over to a thing that um ray was running in um new york i think we might have met there and there was a chap down forgive me i'm poor in names he was I think he was talking about putting Bill um, co-works in Staples. He was from Canada. Oh, Bill. That would have been Bill Jacobson from so Work he Park. was talking yeah. about um, yeah. they did. membership. They did some partnerships with Staples. And Staples, I think, is often running on their own model. But well, he was they talking did about, it in a couple locations outside of Boston. 
Right. So he was talking about membership, right? So this is new to me. How, how, you know, rather than renting an office, let's treat you all as members. And at the time, I kind of thought, well, really? You know, <laughs> I'm on the East Coast of Fife in Scotland. I don't think they really care or know what a membership is. But actually, I've totally been sold on it. And we're trying to roll that out to all our buildings. So everybody feels, first and foremost, they are a member of our community. Now, some of them don't give us stuff, right? But some of them really buy into that. And if you can add food and Bev and some of those other um, amenities, it just becomes yeah. really sticky. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the objective there. And services. I'm still voting. Somebody needs to start one with travel planning. Although I was visiting the, uh, the post in Tucson and they had a travel, I think it was the post, one of them in Tucson, I think it was the post. They had a travel agent who I think has taken some time out for family purposes, but I was like, that's perfect. I need somebody to, to plan my, <laughs> my trips, anything that makes right. That makes it easier because, because the people in shared spaces are busy professionals, right? So yeah, anything you can do to reduce friction and help them. Yeah. Be yeah. simpler lives, better businesses. I mean, we, and we get the, you know, the new remote, will your spaces, do you think you sort of, um, what, what does remote work and that's whole back to the office, not back to the office. What is that like in, in Scotland well, where you so, are? So our, our first minister, um, I just said today, um, we're going beyond level zero, which means we're going to kind of open economy. Um, you can do lots of things now, but, but could you maybe not go back to the office for a bit? Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Um, do you know, our market, where we are, most of our tenants have under maybe 10 employees. So they're in the office. They're in. Okay. Because yep. they haven't got a choice. they got to yep. work. Um, yep. And, you know, I, I've heard lots and had conversations. Now, maybe every now and then on social media, pop in a little incendiary. <laughs> because people are like, some people are convinced everybody's going to be working from home. Well, yeah, if you're middle class and you've got a decent sized garden and an office in the building, maybe you will be. But not if you've got three kids living in an apartment and you've got no space and no sanity left. You want to go to the office or if you're young and you need to learn from peers and all that lovely stuff. So I know at the end of the day, though, like 25 and working at yeah. home. It, no. <laughs> yes. at, at the end of the day, though, it's not really what Matt, it doesn't matter what I think yep. on the ground. Um, nearly all our buildings are up, are up to about 90% occupancy now. Most of them, apart from, interestingly, the larger businesses, almost all of them, they're back full-time now. And I think the, the thing that we are noticing that's different is people want to work near home, not at home. Now, there'll be some working at home, of course. And we are definitely having more members in our flex spaces who are joining us and they don't pay the bill, their employer pays the bill. Yeah. Because they they've just they've decided, you know, we need to they need to be working close to home, etc. And somebody else is paying the bill. Whereas before that was maybe 20%. Now it's about 50%. Wow. That's super interesting. We love to hear that, right? Because that's that's a new segment of people yeah. who never would have joined and now someone else is paying because they want them to be in the right work environment. That's right. Which and- to me is also a super responsible employer. And for a small company, for well, it, maybe those are larger companies, but I think even smaller companies, that's an added expense, right? Or yeah. maybe they were, I think when you're going from- Depends, doesn't yeah, it? I mean, if yes, or if they had, 
if you had an office and now, so did those folks have an office and now they're just not going? Um, no, they, they would have been um, going to a head office somewhere else. Yeah, somewhere I mean, else. We have to, you have to remember, I mean, it depends on, it depends on who we're talking to, right? But if, you, if you're talking about downtown Manhattan, the chances of buying a 50-story building to put in some co-work and all the lovely stuff yeah. we've been talking about is pretty close to zero unless you have very deep pockets, right? So it doesn't, it's irrelevant there. But if you're out in some of the suburbs and stuff and you've got an opportunity to buy a building and put flex space in, um, this stuff really, really matters. And, and, well, and I think those those corporates are definitely pulling out of some of those bigger locations. And that is going to hurt for some. Um, yeah. I'm not in that market. So for me, it's all, you know, all opportunity right now. Um, but I think if you're looking for more passive investing and in bigger buildings, I can see why you might be slightly more worried. Yeah, right. But for you, kind of right, right place, right time, which is... I mean, another right argument for, so Jerry, we have to wrap up. We're going to flip over and and flip over to your podcast. But um, so I feel like we've just sort of scratched the surface on your, your deep knowledge in both flex, because you've been doing this for a long time and seven locations. Well, we might have to do this again, because I'd love to talk about what your team looks like and, you know, kind of how you manage, you know, the investment side versus the operating side and, and how that kind of is, is interwoven and, and, you know, what's next. But in the meantime, if someone is interested in following you, I just want to make sure we reiterate where to find you commercial property investor podcast on all the podcast platforms. Um, I'll link to you in um, on LinkedIn and I have your website linked up in the show notes as well. Anything else you want to add in terms of, yeah, I've got, I've got an Instagram account. I think it's Jerry Alexander dot commercial. And in there, we just put up, obviously images of just buildings all all the the images are all our buildings we just try and keep it um authentic and just put up stuff that we're doing and developments we're doing and all that stuff so yes i look forward to part two jamie <laughs> yeah no let's let's do it i would love that we'll we'll dive in and i do think we don't talk so roughly half of my i run a program called the co-working startup school so i help yeah. folks start co-working spaces and and i would say roughly half of my students own a building they got into it, I think, to own the commercial property, and then we're thinking, what's the best use for this? And somehow, you know, stumble yeah, across co Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, but the other half, definitely not. And I think have, you know, it's, 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 it's an unknown. It's a big, wide unknown. And I would love to do some more education for folks who, because it's a value, you're building shorter term operating income and longer term wealth. Right. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, business owners, like those two can be hard to focus on at the same time. Yeah, but, but, they <laughs> so, could, but in the, but we've got such a great position where those two can be really intertwined. Yeah. You know, you could been you on could, my uh, list. So I live in the Bay Area, so I may fall in the into the not deep enough pockets yeah. to go buy an office <laughs> building. So it would have to be a long distance investment for me, but it's it's on the list. I don't have a space right now. Um, but I would love to buy a building and do a space. That's kind of the the next thing on the checklist. Cool. So nice. anyway, okay, we'll do this again. Um, definitely follow Jerry, check out his podcast. I'm going to be listening more. And uh, Jerry, until next time. Thanks, Jimmy. It's been brilliant.